Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. My name is John Kroom, and if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. On this week's episode, we chat with Gravel King himself, Ted King. Ted King is an ex-world tour pro, has raced some of the biggest races in the world, such as the Giro d'Italia, Tour de France, and much more. Ted is one of the first world tour cyclists to head over into the gravel racing after retiring from world tour cycling. So we chat a little bit about him being a privateer, as well as him going into the van life with a newborn. Ted has recently just picked up a Mercedes Sprinter and we dive into what it's like living the van life with a newborn and what are all the cool accessories that he's got packed into it. So please grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Coffee and Van Chats. But first, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm sitting here with Ted King, Ted King's ex-World Tour Pro. As many of you know, he is now racing gravel and privateering. And I mean, him and Allison Tetrick are probably like two of the athletes that I think of that pretty much started that, I would say, <laughs> um, and made it cool. Um, but anyways, you guys can argue with me on that in the comments if you want. But uh, anyways, Ted, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for making the time and for uh, having the patience as we were just talking about real quick, since this is a long time coming. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it, I think it works out perfect. Cause uh, you recently, well, like, I mean, you've been going through a lot. I mean, you, you just had a kid. Yes. Uh, which if you listen really carefully, she is, she's incredibly mild mannered and she is amazing and a blessing. She's right above me right now. It's 5 PM here on the East coast and she is wailing which is so rare. Really? So, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's nice. We're, we're slowly figuring out the cues and what various words and cries mean as she's right now seven months old. And this means she's exhausted. So she's been up for a little bit too long. She's telling, she's telling you to go to bed, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, I guess we'll just dive into it, man. I, I really want to hear about your van right off the rip. Um, yeah. Speaking of the kid, because the young, the young one, um, she took us through the van tour which I thought was pretty cool. So yeah. let's, let's hear about it. So, you know, I think there's the romanticized view of everybody wants a van. It sounds fun. Like, dude, it's van life. It's COVID van life. Um, sure. Instagram versus reality. Yeah. Truth. So yeah. our reality is uh, Laura and I had talked about it. We probably never would have had a van were it not for little baby Hazel and COVID. So my family is relatively small and here on the East Coast. Uh, I'm speaking with you from Vermont, our home in Vermont. Okay. My family is in New Hampshire and Maine. And okay. so they've had the luxury or whatever you want to call it of meeting Hazel because Hazel is now seven months old. Um, all of Laura's family, my wife's family is out in Seattle. So we wanted to figure out a way to introduce Hazel to half of her family. Oh man. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, people thought it was going to last a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever it is by midsummer, we we're okay. But then we fast forward to the to midsummer and, you know, obviously getting on a plane still is, is either dangerous or stigmatized or whatever it is. So we longer story short, um, a friend of a friend basically didn't realize he wanted to sell his van until we, hatched the idea and, and sort of planted in his mind. And so 
conveniently yeah. he and his family are cyclists um and so they've often taken some some cool bike trips and so it was already set up for first first sleeping and uh there's a 20 gallon shower and there's um external shower yeah um there was at that point room for two bikes and we've we've upped the ante to make it room for four bikes and yeah with a four-month-old daughter we put her in the van and drove coast to coast and, and that's insane you know basically made it a eight-week adventure that is insane I, I feel like most parents would be listening to this being like you just made parenting that much harder <laughs> like geez we, we i mean yes we we are blessed with a very again mild-mannered happy easygoing child and we are still complete rookies at this uh, yeah we've we've received a similar message but you know another cool message we've seen is like your 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 child sure there's nature versus nurture and, and her her nature is to be easygoing but yeah we've also been taught like she is going to be accustomed to what you give her in life and we live a pretty spontaneous so in 20 years she's just going to be racing gravel living out of a van and vlogging the dirtbag lifestyle brought to her at awesome. the age of Awesome. Right yeah. on. Well, that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. So, so, you know, doing all these van trips, cause I mean, you've kind of, I mean, you've kind of been all over, uh, popping mm-hmm. in and seeing some friends. Um, what, like, what are some things that you were like, oh, on the next trip, I'm definitely going to have this. Cause I've, I've already had that. Mine was toilet paper when I got stuck out in Moab. Yep. So good one. I, I'm a pretty good planner. So we had a good supply of, of paper towel and toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a trowel for our bathroom needs, um, man, but we did most certainly acquire the van and hit the road within 36 hours on an eight week trip. So it would have been nice to go through a trial trip. Uh, yeah. You know, you certainly overpack you, you on a trip like that. You're going to bring a lot more than you need. Yeah. Because the reality is, I mean, that was, that was a funny reality of coming back home is like, you can operate on very, very little. Um, so well, also was, you guys were like, what you were four months into being parents. And so yeah. now this is the, not only the, this is the first time you're traveling with the kid too, right? Right, 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 right. Jeez. Okay. So, you know, we're psyched to not have to pack it into to duffel bags and put it on an airplane Yeah. because, you know, I've had great deal of empathy for any parent who I've ever seen going through security and just like baby stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, having the luxury of just being able to throw it all in also made it so that we, we probably had too much stuff, too much bike stuff, too much just general clothes and apparel, uh, uh, to, to too much baby stuff. But <laughs> yeah, so shoot, answer your original question. What did we pack that we didn't need? We had, I mean, it's goofy. Like we went down and we brought a life jacket for Hazel, you know, yeah. it's very small life jacket and we brought two straw hats. I mean, like we probably could have gotten by with one straw hat. One thing we had bug spray. turns out in the wild West, there's not many bugs. Whereas yeah. here, uh, there's a lot of mosquitoes and ticks to be wary of. So there you go. Bug yeah. spray. Bug spray is one thing is too much. One thing too yeah. many. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think when I was, I was planning on bugging you in mid South and trying mm-hmm. to get you to do a podcast out of my van. Uh, that was the goal, but that's when shit hit the fan. Uh, things got nuts, but that's when the little one came too, right? Around that time. Yeah, um, exactly. 
so how has that kind of affected your season? Like, are you are you gonna race at all in 2020, you think, or? Hey guys, I just wanna give a huge shout out to this week's newest sponsor, and that is Bike Parkour. I actually ran into one of their owners when I was out doing the White Rim Trail in Moab, Utah, and I think you can honestly hear my chain from across the trail, which is 77 miles long, and my chain was so dried up, it was ridiculous. But anyways, he has sent me some chain butter, some whip wipe, some chain and gear cleaner, and man, it is awesome. So when you purchase the chain and gear or the whip wipe concentrate, that actually comes with a spray bottle that you dilute the liquid and the concentrate and it honestly makes it super cost effective and you tend to get a few washes out of it. Bike Hardcore is probably one of the most affordable bike care companies that I've seen to date. And yeah, they even have this cool little product that you can attach to your hose, which is a foaming sprayer. So you can get your bike covered in all the cleaner and pretty much just give your bike a shower. So yeah, check them out at bikehardcore.com. That is bikehardcore.com. Um, I mean, at this point, no. Uh, this past weekend was the first time that I showed up at a event since February. Uh -huh. um, it was, it was here in Vermont. It's inherently socially distanced. There were 11 people on the start line at 5 AM in the middle of the darkness, the middle of the woods. Uh, wow. uh, oh, I will very likely be doing a thousand mile, 1,040 mile Arkansas high country race beginning October 31st. This is my first public announcement about yeah. this. Um, it's a self-supported, again, inherently socially isolating, socially distancing. Uh, I think two dozen people or so, not even two dozen people did it last year. The FKT fastest known time is by the legend Jay Peterberry, who uh -huh. did it in five and a half days. Jeez. Um, so. And it's, it's all self-supported bike packing. Correct. Okay, let's just go ahead and, and just transfer into this. Like this, okay, this is kind of what I wanted to hear. So, so yeah, what, what, is, what does that look like? Like, how did you even find out about this? Because I've never even heard of this. That's what's so fun about this whole, about all of it. Like, how do you, anyway, uh, where did I hear about this? Um, Bobby Wintle. Is, okay. This is where it goes full circle. Bobby Wintle told me about it. Bobby Wintle yeah. is the creator of Mid South, and he owns uh, District Bicycles. Amazing guy. Stillwater. He's outstanding, and he said, yeah. "Dude, you got to do this event." I don't. Bobby does long distance stuff. He does ride divide, tour divide. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it looked in, interesting. Rebecca Rush, who also was very instrumental in facilitating my introduction to gravel she originally had the fkt because she was the first and only person to do it when they created the route last year okay um basically you know that that northwest corner of arkansas nwa yeah Bentonville, fayetteville little rock they've created a really cool bicycle culture sure admittedly with the support of the walton fam um but there's there's some incredible riding up there and they have created this route called the arkansas high country so check it out on bike packing. It's like they have a northern route and a southern route, and then when you link them together, you got this this whole entire thousand forty mile route. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm taking a huge lateral step. Like, sure, I can ride long distance and I can I can do some gravel racing, but it's a big step to do the self supported multi day stuff. Yeah. Um, I've slept outside on purpose 
I think on one trip in my life, um, which was high stakes. I was up in, in uh, Northern Canada in February on a pretty wild trip. And so this will be conveniently with, with near uh, fall conditions in Arkansas. It might be a little yeah. damp. It could be a little cool. It could be spicy hot. Who knows? Um, but that's when is this? It starts October 31. Okay. So what? Zeroing in on half month away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's, there's, how do you pack incredibly minimally um, uh, the whole light system, right? I mean, like at that time of year, there's not a ton of light in the day and, and there are plenty of hours that you need to be pedaling. So the, the hub generated light system and how do you generate power to charge your phone and charge your, your GPS? Uh, these are all things that talking to Rebecca, talking to Bobby, it's just, it's doing a whole lot of research on the internet. It's cool. Oh, you should just get Ashton Lambie to build you up a set. I mean, he's, he's all into the dynamo. Is he doing the night stuff? Okay, oh, right. He loves well, that stuff. But, so he thinks it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Bobby's, Bobby's been really big and helping me out there. Well, that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting in the sense that, like, you got to pack minimally. Well, in, in Arkansas, it gets pretty cold pretty quick. It is. And it's their second rainiest month of the year is, uh, oh. is October. So all gravel. It's 50-50. It's a good okay. portion of road, paved, gravel. But shoot, it was basically, it was 51 weeks ago right now. So one week shy of a year ago that I was in Arkansas for Outer Bike. And when they were announcing Big Sugar, yeah. which normally would have been in about two weeks. And dude, the riding there is crazy hilly and like sharp, gnarly gravel. And, and uh, yeah, some not high stakes, but it's, it's pretty burly ride. Yeah. And so what is, is your goal? Like FKT, like fastest, fastest no, you know, or are you just I mean, kind of go give it a rip? I'm going to go give it a rip. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to go in being like, I'm going to set a record at an event that I've never done before, you know, uh, eyes wide open, take it all in. I think, you know, it's good to segue to the next portion of the conversation. Like, I have no idea what next year is going to, going to hold. I'm excited mm -hmm. for the, for, you know, getting back to, to business as usual, but you know, we don't really know. So one thing we have seen a lot of in 2020 is these events popping up and, and creating new adventures and going to do your, do something new and different that takes you out of your comfort zone. And this certainly hits all those things. Yeah. So have you ever done anything like this to even like, even compare it to, cause like I could go like I did white rim and and nice. that for me was like, uh, uh, how hard can it be? It's just a hundred miles kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I never really cherished store stops as much until you don't have yes. the slightest access to it. Yes. Um, and so like little things like that, whereas like, have you put any of that into thought or into context? The, the Canadian trip I mentioned. So February 2019. Uh, I teamed up with three, one was a good friend and two acquaintances and did uh, the James Bay descent. So James Bay is up in, in Northern Canada and it, we drove in on a crazy long ice road, like 18 hours of driving, something absurd. And uh, we're self-supported all through the winter and did a, I think eight day trip, uh, 500 kilometers, 300 miles sleeping in the woods. Like the coldest we saw was negative 40, negative 42 degrees. Uh, 
like that's high stakes real deal oh yeah yeah i think i think i saw some stuff on that like those conditions are insane yes like it the definition of inhospitable right yeah like so i mean I'm, and i'm with you like you know whether it is riding the white rim whether it is that whether it is multi-day trips there i had a huge appreciation at the moment of just being taken out of your comfort zone yeah. uh you know it sort of relates van life is certainly cush by comparison but you know it sort of strips down to the basics like what what do you really need um, yeah how what can you get by on and this will be those two things are going to be comparable no yeah that sounds like an awesome adventure and and so you know kind of segueing into plans for 2021 like let's say that you know because like me as a as um I like to call myself a professional cyclist, you know, I race for the national team or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I've never been professional per se. Um, but it's like, a, it's a vague term that whole. You, you, yeah. Yeah. So depending on how you guys want to look at it, but having this year to just do white rim or to go to mid South or to do these things where I'm not stuck in a track in Europe in October has been very refreshing and mm-hmm. almost very eye opening. And so like you, who's been pro since what, I think I'm looking at 2006, you were on a continental team and then now you've moved to gravel and as much as you like to say that you're having fun, which you are having fun, I'm assuming, it's Mm -hmm. still a job, man. So like, and now with a kid here, like how has it been just having the year off to just kind of take a step back and take a deep breath? It's been fascinating. Yeah. Um, And I can say that with the luxury of landing on my feet and being healthy and having a healthy family and yeah i mean there's so many people who have been adversely or or horrifically affected that you know it it takes an event like this to put it in perspective um so yeah it's been eye-opening i mean the first like hazel was born march 8th the pandemic effectively started here in vermont two days later so you know we we were home and we we uh in normal circumstances, when I'm home between events, between travel, between races, Untapped, which is the sports nutrition company that I co-founded, yeah, located yeah. you know five miles down the road. Normally, I'm there on free days, and and you know the face-to-face contact that really is irreplaceable. Um, that is a big part of my time, and and my partners there are very as familial as it gets. I mean they they would have given me all the time in the world to be home on paternity leave. Um, but it just opened up this whole new reality. So it's a, it's a tremendous blessing to have this time at home with Hazel. Uh, my wife and I both work effectively as independent contractors. So there's not a normal routine and you know, it works well yeah. 99% of the time. And uh, we figure out how to, how to get by that other 1%. Well, so as an athlete, so you're seeing it as an athlete and how mm-hmm. are you seeing it on the business side of things? Cause I, I'm hearing it go both ways. You know, we've had a few, few business people on here, whether they're, you know, promoters or just in the industry alone. Um, sure. Like we had Yuri Oswald on here and mm-hmm. for goo it's, it's been up and down. How's it been for untapped? Yeah. I mean, I wear many, many hats in all of those realms. Uh, so untapped business owner there, my yeah. wife and I run, uh, rooted Vermont, you know, we have an event. There's Ted King, the athlete, there's Ted King, the sponsored athlete. Um, so, you know, 
piecemeal untapped for the past we're seven years old as a company and we've we've grown strongly for the past seven years but you know conveniently as as we are still the original founding partners uh we get to dictate the the pace and we're not uh, reporting to to investors so we you know we we grow at a at a fun rate and we develop at a fun rate and this is it's going to be a hard year but we'll we'll survive it no problem um it's it is a big speed bump and we'll get through it um putting on my rooted vermont hat you know we're we're as bummed as anybody to not have an event um you know we had to postpone and and you really do you empathize with the rider and you empathize with the participant you empathize with uh you know with a sponsor who is going to be on site expo and and so we've deferred a lot of entries that leaves uh, relatively few entries for 2021. Um, like I said, you know, we're as, as optimistic as anybody that we'll be able to, to launch next year. So hopefully that goes off. Uh, we've all, all reason to believe that things will be a little bit more normal by August, 2021. Um, on a personal front, you know, I had a, a nice boost of confidence at, the relatively early side of the pandemic when you know the world goes into lockdown and and i i had a conversation with a a pretty primary sponsor of mine i said you know this is this is a scary new reality to be in a pandemic and i can't i don't know how to contribute and at that point it was sort of i was beginning things like the diy gravel campaign uh beginning to think of other creative ways to engage my sponsors and basically the my, my point is they're like now more than ever, we realize the importance of athletes as ambassadors, um, as you, as, as a, as a privateer, as opposed to the world tour teams. Like at that point there was zero racing and world tour racing was, you know, zilch. And if you live and race in the world tour, you know, you live with, with your blinders on, you don't have time to do anything else. So it was, it was, it was a nice boost of confidence to be like, your value now is as important as ever and then you yeah. gotta put on your creative hat and it's worked out no yeah yeah that was, that was super impressive i mean like it was it was almost as if that like that event itself was like one of the biggest things like even on strava i think it like almost triggered other people to do those little strava campaigns like you i i, I well you were like one of the first ones i saw with the diy gravel when you said sure yeah 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 i mean i i saw it early on I'm you know racking my brain like how can I I don't know but I mean push the value of sponsors you know you, yeah you, you still need to be acting if you're not going to events and so I just hey what the heck I mean people are going to be doing it anyway like let's create this thing and and like I virtual events are are a dime a dozen um and so it's hard to get some creative value behind it, but it's amazing the number of comments I got that were from people who, who are submitting their ride on the DIY uh, gravel website. And they'd have a comment was like, thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for, for lighting this fire under my butt. Like I wouldn't be riding if it wasn't for DIY gravel. And I'm just like, wow, like this, this is a really cool thing. So it's awesome. I was psyched. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I got a few more questions for you. Um, and, and we're going to kind of trigger into your old days. I kind of want to, I want to know, because like, like I said, like I, 
have this background of traveling with the national team, having crazy roommates, crazy travel stories. And I, and I always love to hear them. So what's your craziest, <laughs> what's your craziest travel story uh, to whatever race while you were in the world tour or just even, even traveling. Cause like, I mean, I know you went and did a race over in Iceland yeah, um, yeah. and I, you know, I was talking to Ashton, I think Chaz, they were going to take a boat to go do, do GB Duro Whoa. because GB Duro didn't want anybody flying over. Uh, they only wanted people, <laughs> they wanted to make it a very self-supported style of racing. And I think there was like, you know, um, some environmental things within that, but right. it was going to be an eight day boat ride, but yeah, it just, that I can't believe that exists. I mean, it sounds like, uh, what's the name of the book? Boys in the boat. Maybe it was boys in the boat. Did you ever read that? Uh, mm. Ellen Hillenbrand, is that her name? The author, uh, it was basically about, you know, 19, 19- 40s rowers when they have to go to the olympics on the other side of the, the globe and they take a boat to get there and they lose fitness along the way but yada 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 i mean crazy yeah what an adventure yeah, it's insane um let's see crazy adventure stories hey guys sorry for the interruption i just wanted to let you guys in on a little secret that i wish i knew about sooner and that is chamois butter with the current pandemic and everybody jumping on bikes you're probably wondering to yourself am i supposed to feel uncomfortable down there and then you decide to confide in somebody that you trust and that maybe even got you into cycling and they just say, oh, you'll get used to it. Well, in reality, it's actually an easy fix and you don't have to get used to pain. And that is by using chamois butter. This product is something, again, that I wish I knew about sooner. And when I found out about it, it made my rides that much more enjoyable, along with allowing me to ride longer. So don't ride in discomfort and check out chamois butter today. Now let's get back to the episode. I I had this oh man um let's see there was a time that I raced in tour of San Luis so down in South America um and then I made it back to uh New England where I was like hitting the reset button you know you unpack one suitcase and you pack up a suitcase and then I was going over to Europe and for sure you know begin the season and we got a pretty crazy blizzard um so boston was under i don't know we probably got like six feet of snow over the course of one storm and so i ended up having to go from the airport to a friend's house to the airport to a friend's house airport friend's house ultimately yeah. the airport and flew over um my stories aren't that crazy the other one at san luis was a exceptionally long delay in argentina and then i'm flying back to europe and basically spent 17 hours on my birthday, January 31st, uh, on an airplane from South America to Europe. That was, Jeez. you know, a, a center seat somewhere back in stowage. That's not where you want to send your birth, spend your birthday. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Like living that, that dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, I got one. I raced tour of Dubai. Oh, I know tour of Taiwan. Um, yeah. and I was, uh, I had a, French teammate who this is while I was on liquid gas. And so, you know, it's a very stoic old school Italian racing lifestyle. Like yeah, you yeah. don't just race with the team, you live the lifestyle. And, and I remember we, I pulled my teammate aside the, and I was like, 
Hey, I just noticed that we can upgrade to business class for like 300 euro on this 12 hour flight. I think we should do it. And we both did and, you know, live the dapper lap of luxury up front while the rest of the team is like angrily sitting in the back. So much so that we could like go to the business lounge. And I remember we were drinking in the business lounge. It came ridiculously close to missing the flight as a result of overconsumption. Oh, man. Um, that was on the way back post-race. I mean, we, we, of course, treated the race very seriously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you make it uh, seem like as if somebody from Liquid Gas is like going to come, come find you and be like, oh, yeah, we need all our money back. I just heard that story on John's podcast. <laughs> yes. It is – Man, I mean, the time at Lake Guess, it was it was such an adventure, and and yeah. yeah, you can't help but feel like they had a thumb on you all the time. Like it's it's sort of embarrassing in hindsight. Like you just feel like a child, and they, yeah. I mean, they treated you like a child. You know, I can picture times with racing, man, like with Sagan in sort of a pre-Sagan of prominence era, yeah. and you could tell that he just he felt treated like a child, and he was like he would literally ask me. Like, do other teams treat you like this? Uh, do other teams have such control? I mean, like the most ridiculous stuff. But who is your favorite roommate? Um, and that can be from any team. Yeah, it doesn't have to be from like a Yeah, I mean, my first roommate ever when I got to the World Tour was uh, Tor Hushov, which was pretty next level. That was super cool to yeah, training camp cool. with Cervella Test Team. Um, Sagan was great. Uh, Paolo Longo Borghini would probably be the answer to that, though. He was uh, he's an Italian guy, you know, old school, great Italian racer, race for a lot of uh, – he was just like the, the quintessential domestique. He was married to an American, um, and that really helped his English, and that helped my Italian, and we got along like peas and carrots. That's awesome. Awesome. No, yeah, that's super cool. So – yeah. And, uh, I got two more questions. So like one of the, one of the questions that I kind of wanted to dive into for the younger lads that are, uh, listening to this, um, mm-hmm. I think, I think cycling's taking a different route. Like I kind of came in with at the age of 18 and I was watching a lot of these young guys, like they were, I didn't understand it. Like, cause when I came in, I came from a football and wrestling background and I didn't understand that these kids have been doing this their entire life. And then I would get to know some of these kids I looked up to and I would start hanging out with these kids and they rode for some of the best U23 teams, whether that's Garmin, um, action or whatever. And some of these kids that didn't get that next shot, um, whether it was the world tour or just something a little higher, they started to phase out. Um, and depression was kicking in. And, but I think I'm seeing this gravel thing might be the saving grace to some of that in the sense of privateering, um, having a little bit more control of your development mm-hmm. per se. Um, what is kind of some of your feedback to a kid that maybe wants to go into the world tour, but is, yeah, is kind of hitting on that stress or even wanting to go pro, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. Um, what's kind of some, some tidbit, I guess, to give them. Um, it's, Man, it's a great question. I think gravel is or has the potential to be the saving grace of cycling in America. Yeah. Um, to think pie in the sky. You know, it's, it's for the first time in my time in the cycling. So I've been in cycling basically for the better part of two decades. And it's not going to be 
a criterion. It's certainly not going to be uh, uh, stage racing here in America. Um, Grand Fondos, you might get a little bit of infiltration, but like these aspects are not going to draw the masses to cycling. Yeah. Whereas for the first time in my experience in cycling, gravel is this magnet that has the ability to draw all classes, all all genders, all uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. It 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 is interesting and engaging for all, which is why you show up at you know the the big gravel races, especially just because it's going to be a bigger swath of people, and you 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 do see it all. Um, certainly, you know it's gravel is not perfect. Uh, it's still dominated by you know white men in spandex. Yeah, However, you see a bigger you see greater diversity than elsewhere. So For sure. that's what I think is great about this, this sport. Um, there, yeah, man, I remember in my, I don't want to take this too long in this story. So I retired, I, for it. Yeah. I retired from the world tour in 2015. And when I, 2016 was my first year of being an ambassador. And that was, you know, having a, a wonderful list of sponsors who allowed me to a pretty creative justice to, to write my own schedule and go do this, that, and the other. In 2016, gravel was not gravel. There was no gravel schedule. There was, there was no, no one ever used the term professional gravel racer, which is still a term that, that grits at me. Um, so the world of gravel is so young, even though people have been racing and riding off-road for a long time. Um, my point is, I remember in 2016, my first year removed from world tour racing, I was talking to friends in Boulder and they were saying that they know Boulder junior cyclists in 2016 who want to be Ted King, who want to, to, yeah. to be a pro gravel racer, which is, is certainly flattering. Um, but it's not the kind of thing you do as a 17 year old, like without cutting your teeth in the world tour. Yeah. So, you know, you, you certainly pay your dues because it, maybe gravel will boom in such a way that you can jump in to be a professional gravel racer and make that your career. But I think the privateer nature is going to be limiting. It's going to be individuals who could pull it off before it is teams and, and many, many, many dozens or hundreds of people doing it. That's the reality of, of making it to the next level, which when I say next level to make it, uh, to be a viable, viable income. And that's when I rely back to the original point of like how cool gravel is, how fun gravel is and how lifetime gravel is. Like you do it, whether you're, whether you're 12 years old or 72 years old, it has that ability to, to be the lifetime sport that I think cycling is meant to be as opposed to say wrestling and football or my background is hockey. Well, I guess there is a lot of contact that can happen at any age, but yeah, there are so many sports, especially American sports, that you hyper-focus on, and then they last a, a short period after high school. Um, For sure. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the same boat. Like, I didn't start riding a bike until I was 18 years old, 19 years old. Uh, prior to that, I played varsity sports. Um, so, I'm planting this lesson into the, the up-and-coming athlete yeah i mean it takes a dedication and it takes a focus to to be successful at the sport obviously you know cycling and endurance sports rewards uh chronic a whole lot of training um yeah. but 
if it's not going to be your career, like still make it an outlet, make it a therapy, make it something fun because, because that is the masses and that is what, what gravel I think really is. No, yeah, that's good, man. And I, I think another thing too, to touch on is just like with sponsorships, the amount of people and I've done it, um, before I, I probably ever deserved one. I was just like, Hey, give me X. Oh gosh. And, yeah. And then, and then the sponsor's response is, well, why? Yeah. Uh, cause I'll post an Instagram post. Okay. You have a yeah. thousand followers. Yeah. So, so give me another reason, you know? And so trying to, I think another good feedback is just trying to find value. Um, mm-hmm. trying to find creative ways. I think, I think it's crazy. Even with your following, you still find creative ways like DIY gravel and such. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's another good tidbit. But last question, final question. My favorite part of the show is this is this is the, the, the I'm trying to bring the build up here. All I like right. it. I like it. You can have coffee with one person. Oh wow. Dead or alive. Who would yeah. that person be? How would you take your coffee? And now I know that there's some people on here that don't drink coffee. So uh-huh. if you have to have tea, that's fine. How would you take your tea? Let's hear it. Man, you can even go into the process, man. Do you want an AeroPress? Do you want an espresso? Yeah. How do you want it, man? Mocha pot? Let's hear it. This is great. You know the interesting part? I wrap up my podcast, King of the Ride podcast, with three questions. And then oh, I'm yeah. always like, hey, like, why is it taking you so long to answer? Like, these are easy questions. Only to realize when you turn the tables and you ask me a question. It's like, a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. There's only one person on this show that has been like, no question. Like I asked the question, didn't tell him it was Justin Williams. He was like Kobe Bryant, vanilla latte. Boom. Done. Yeah. Great answer. Um, okay. Uh, how about Cam Neely? Cam, I, hockey was my sport. Cam Neely was uh, uh, a fabulous, a, a amazing Boston Bruin. Uh, I want right. to say he was left wing. Uh, he's the general manager for the Bruins right now. All right. He's not necessarily a cyclist, but I would still love to. to That's perfect. Brain. Um, Aeropress is my. I make at least two Aeropresses a day, so that's too easy. I'd probably. Uh, I tend to just get an Americano. Okay. All right. Uh, not a lot of water. Splash of cream. Boom. Done. Boom. And you'd probably even bring some Untapped to hopefully become the Bruins. Yes. Untapped sponsor. So I you know, it's interesting. This. To that point, we we. Uh, for a long time have been supplying untapped maple syrup to the uh, Carolina hurricanes of the NHL. So, wow, that's nuts. Me being from South Carolina, I really appreciate the support. I've never been to a hurricanes game, but I, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, South Carolina boy at heart. I'm right on 20 minutes from North Carolina. So nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I think, think they're in Charlotte, right? I got to assume so. Okay. I can't imagine there'd be a NHL team in any other city in either of the Carolinas than Charlotte. Maybe Raleigh, but that's like, or Winston. I guess now I'm naming like a few cities that I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. Uh, Well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, this was a long time coming and hopefully I get to see you at an event in 2021 and we can do it. No kidding. Fingers crossed. That'd be cool. Um, Other than that, man, be safe, be well, be healthy. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys want, check out Ted's social media down below. Probably if you're already listening to this, you're probably just figuring out who I am. So um, you already know who Ted is. So anyways, thanks again. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks, John.